Your best life is more rewarding when you become a member of Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. You can earn MyPlus rewards points for everyday purchases and banking activities. You even earn 3,000 MyPlus rewards points when you open your membership with Affinity Plus. MyPlus Rewards offers the potential to rack up major points and even bigger rewards. Use your points on vacation getaways, discounted rates on Affinity Plus car loans, gift cards from popular stores and restaurants, and cash back. Or pay those points forward with charitable donations. You've got a lot of great choices with Affinity Plus and MyPlus Rewards. Stop by the Brainerd Lakes branch in Baxter to learn more about your MyPlus Rewards earning power. Affinity Plus is federally insured by NCUA. Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor. And today our guest is Dr. Rob Westine, Chief Medical Officer at Cuyuna Regional Medical Center. Dr. Westine, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So you guys are working pretty diligently right now, huh, to protect everybody. How are things going? You know, it's very busy. This is something we've never had to face before, obviously, with a historic pandemic type of a thing. But, yes, our organization and I think all the organizations in the region, obviously, are working hard in ways that we haven't done before. But it's going well. I mean, our state is really... Uh, well-connected Minnesota Hospital Association, MDH, working with the CDC. We all have uh, collaborated well together, I think, in this fight. In fact, I was listening to an interview yesterday uh, during the governor's uh, uh, call, Mm -hmm. and they were talking about that hospitals have actually gotten together and have talked about these types of events for a while now, have they not? Yes, this is not something new. I mean, as healthcare providers, we should be prospectively looking at ways we would deal with trauma, you know, uh, events, whether it's a bus crash or whether it's a tornado, and also infectious events like this, which happen rarely, thankfully, but they do happen. And so it is typical for us to do this type of disaster planning or planning ahead. Yeah. Very good. Let's start with our listeners, the general public. What are some of the important things that they need to know, Dr. Westine? Well, I know that this message might get old, but, you know, honestly, it does get back to the basics. And, you know, I'm a family physician by training, and I do wear the hat of this chief medical officer as well. But as a family physician, I spent my career trying to deal with people in the office, telling them, here's what you can do to make your health better and protect yourself, but this is also what I have to tell you about what your health is and how we need to treat it. And I think in that venue, I oftentimes try and find examples that would speak to people so that they understand. We obviously, as doctors, learn language that isn't common to most people, and we have to figure out how to make that make sense. So Mm -hmm. the two examples in this pandemic that I feel are very helpful are the one about Minnesota winter. You know, we all live in Minnesota. We know what winter is. If it's October and we know 100% that the Farmer's Almanac this year is going to be right and we're going to get 200 inches of snow, far above what we usually get, we would much rather have that snow hit us over many little snowstorms throughout the winter than we would have it hit us on Halloween, let's say, (laughs) and then have to deal with being overwhelmed by it. That's exactly what we mean by flattening the curve in this instance of a pandemic, is that we want people to follow these social uh, distancing norms, these hand-washing and cover-your-cough ideas, not being around sick people, sick family members, sick friends, and when you're feeling sick, isolating and trying to stay quarantined yourself. 
because if we don't do that, that is going to turn into a 200-inch blizzard that we are not going to be able to handle with our health care resources. So right. that is one example. The other one is a little more mundane, but one that you probably see on social media if, if you're watching Facebook. But there's a diagram out there that's animated where it starts on the left side of the screen with one red dot. That dot then divides into three. That dot then divides into six to ten. That then divides into ten to twenty. Pretty soon the whole screen is filled on the right with dots. If you are a dot on that diagram and you stop it when it's only three dots, the whole rest of the page changes where there's less dots. And what we're asking people to do with all these other uh, very simple things is to reduce the number of dots that they impact, and that will help us so that we don't have that many people affected by this. Wow. That's a good way to look at it, though, both yeah. of those. So that social distancing, again, remains so, so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for those over the age of 65, uh, we continue to hear that they are they are vul- vulnerable, especially if they have underlying health uh, issues. And, and so for those people, it's really important to keep their distance, isn't it? It is, yeah. And honestly, I hear a lot of stories about that where people are saying, well, I'm you know, I'm of an age, I don't care if I get it, I'll just go, or things like that, which Mm. I think, in one sense, you sometimes admire that when people are that stage of their life, but on the other hand, they have to recognize that they might be giving it to a younger family member. Who doesn't want to go. Might be spreading it to friends where Mm. they don't really want that to happen, and so uh, I would caution even elderly, especially elderly, people over 65, which I'm not calling all over 65 elderly, believe me, but (laughs) but that they are at risk, anybody with health conditions underlying, diabetes, heart disease, blood pressure, all those things make you at increased risk and would really caution those folks to try and limit their contacts. Okay. Uh, Dr. Westine, can you tell us right now what, what are some of the symptoms that people really need to start paying attention? Because, you know, we're coming into allergy season here, the snow's melting, you got that snow mold, and people are reacting in different ways, and, oh, I got a sniffle, and, oh, I got a cough. What are the things that set aside COVID-19 from something that might be just an allergy? Well, that is the challenge, Tess, is that this is like any other virus when it starts. It is a cold. I mean, it's a runny nose. It's a sore throat. It's a fever. The fever is a big one. I mean, uh, that is one that we watch closely. Uh, But unfortunately, it's also true that everything that starts, you may not know you're sick until a day or two down the road. So any early on signs of those illnesses, they should be looking at themselves as potentially infectious and just trying to minimize contact. And uh, you, you can avoid that by trying to wash your hands more, trying not to touch your face, you know, trying not to get in contact with those that you know have some symptoms like that. Okay. And by all means, if you do start to exhibit any of those symptoms that are a little more severe than a standard um, you know, bit of allergies, boy, you got to isolate yourself, don't you? Absolutely. And like I said, not just for yourself, but for those that you love and, and your family and friends. Um, tell us about testing uh, here in central Minnesota. That's one thing we've heard from around the country, that uh, there's a shortage of tests. Uh, we don't have enough information yet. What's the protocol at CRMC about testing? Well, the testing availability has been one of the biggest challenges dealing with something like this, but it is improving. So at the outset, we had very few tests, and the availability for MDH to run those was slower than it, than it used to be. 
now they're catching up. I mean, that's the good news. Mm -hmm. So the numbers that you see on the MDH website, they tell us, are fairly up to date. You know, I think as of yesterday, it had run over 5,800 tests, 262 were positive. We're seeing the turnaround times on those tests now being less. So it, it's down now less than 72 hours, but uh, it should be coming less and less as they open up more testing sites. So not just MDH, but uh, Quest, LabCorp, uh, Mayo doing those tests will help us with our turnaround. So here we have the testing availability. We do have uh, uh, the need to send that out to do that test. Um, eventually, we hope that they will have that available just like they do for an influenza test where we would be able to do it in-house, but that's future. Um, but right now, we can do the testing. The Minnesota Department of Health guidelines say we should only be testing healthcare providers, mm -hmm. close contacts in their household that are ill, uh, people that live in either a care center or group setting, or people that are hospitalized. So our limited, at this point, the limitation is primarily just to those populations. Okay. And Dr. Westine, I understand if there is someone listening and they are convinced they have uh, the symptoms where it might be COVID-19, there are some special protocols that are in place now at all hospitals, and I would assume that's the same for CRMC. That's true, and it is different than you might think of in the past, where we had walk-in urgent cares and minute clinics and clinics uh, having walk-in access. We really would appreciate and, and encourage patients to call ahead if they have a question like that. We have a 24-7 nurse line now that's taking these phone calls that run people through a triaging process that if they do seem like, yep, at the end of that, you, you sound like you have symptoms, but you're not that ill at that point because 80% of these folks that get uh, corona exposure are not going to get terribly ill where we have to actually see them in the hospital or, or clinic setting. Right. But if they do have those symptoms, uh, they would be counseled to stay home and, and do all the right things. If they are counseled to come in, then we know that they're coming and we can prepare them. You might have to go to a different entrance than you've previously gone to our organizations. You might have to show up in the emergency room as opposed to elsewhere. But we'd like to know that ahead of time rather than having you show up sick at a door that maybe wouldn't be the best one for us and for you. So okay. that is a very good uh, thing to remind people of is that if they could make that, make that call. Mm-hmm. And how about the facility itself at CRMC? Um, are, are doors open? I, I would imagine there's restrictions on visitors. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we're absolutely open for the needs of our patients. Um, like I said, with that proviso of just trying to call ahead and make sure that we know where you should go, um, the day-to-day uh, uh, -day operations obviously are less when we're telling people for routine visits and for elective surgeries that they should be postponing those type of things to minimize exposures. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to cover the needs that are there for routine patients that do need to be seen. And uh, that includes e-visits and phone call visits and ordering of things that they could do outpatient without having to actually uh, spend much time in the facility. It's taking care of their prescriptions. Um, any of those things that we can do that would potentially get us through this time would be uh, the way we're trying to manage those. I understand like all uh, healthcare facilities, a lot of the elective surgeries and routine visits, those have all been postponed, right? Correct. And we have a I've been thinking about someone who's going through cancer, and oncology is a tough one right now because those people still need to be treated. This is a real tough time for them, isn't it? 
It is tough, yes, and it, it is a higher risk population, obviously, so we need to be supporting them well, but they can still access the care that they need, and we're doing our best to keep them in an area that's safe. And like I said, that's exactly why the uh, infectious patient that calls in ahead of time is doing a service not to themselves but to those oncology patients, then we can direct them to come into the right place. They can avoid interacting potentially with other folks that, that really would be at higher risk. Okay. And if we could just, it's a little bit of a sidebar, but we've been trying to tell people how the need for blood is out there, and the American Red Cross uh, wants people to come in and donate blood. Some people are scared to do that. Um, is Can you kind of shed some light on this, why it's still okay to donate blood during something like this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, any any routine things that you do or have to do, you can still do that even in this pandemic, but you just need to be a little careful and we do them a little differently. So Red Cross, instead of having you show up maybe at a center and wait in line, they're setting up appointments that are distanced enough where people can maintain that social distance. But we absolutely need blood products like we would normally. And uh, I think because people are doing such a good job of social distancing, they might feel a little anxious about coming in to do that. But I, I would encourage them to do that. Uh, you know, I would encourage people to, to potentially help out their neighbors and friends and, and people in these uh, assisted livings that are not supposed to be leaving them. You know, give them a call. If you're going to have to go to the grocery store and you know you need to do it, potentially pick those things up and using the social distancing rule, drop off the things that they need. I mean, those are the things I think as a community that we can really help out long term. And Doc, how can the public help you guys? Because I know our Crow Wing County Sheriff Scott Goddard put out the call for, you know, the PPEs. Whites, yeah, for the PPEs, basically. Um, what is it that you guys need at CRMC that folks can help with? Yeah, I think that's a great a great question. So the supplies that we would we would love to have people donate, and we have gotten some great donations of these through industries and businesses in the area, and we certainly appreciate that. But the protective face masks, the disposable plastic gowns that we use, the non-plastic isolation gowns are also needed. N95 masks, uh, clear plastic face shields, safety goggles, safety glasses, um, any of those type of things are things that we're looking at taking in. And we've developed a process where you can call our 546-7000 number at any time and you'll be directed how to drop those off. We do have two set times now across from our hospital. There's kind of an employee lot there. Mm -hmm. We're setting up Tuesday and Thursday from 11 to 1 p.m. where people can just drive up, drop that stuff off. There will be a person there to take it. So awesome. those would be highly appreciated. Do you know if these things uh, that you need are listed on your website if people want more information? Yes. Okay. Yep. Social media and website. Okay. And that's kayunamed.org, if I'm not mistaken? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're hoping that uh, we can flatten that curve, as you talked about earlier, Dr. Westine. Uh, at this point, are you looking for any additional help? We've heard in some parts of the country they're asking for retired nurses to come back and help out. Uh, ha have we reached that point here in central Minnesota? I would say we've not reached that type of a crisis point here yet, um, and we honestly hope we don't if we are good at doing this flattening of the curve like you mentioned. Um, as far as other things, you know, there are some cases where community members might be necessary or helpful for transport for, I mean, I would look to nonprofits, churches, things like that to help out their parishioners to uh, potentially help out with people that 
as we go through this, there might be people that come out of the hospital with a COVID diagnosis, but they're recovering and they might need help, but they need to quarantine. So different mm -hmm. things like that, people could be thinking outside the box as to how we might connect some of these dots through social service and home care and uh, other areas where people could potentially work as runners and, and things like that. I think that would be a great thing for people to be thinking about. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. And doctor, we should kind of clarify too, you know, folks are kind of watching the websites going, oh, is there a case yet, say in Crow Wing County? We know there's one in Cass. And as of yesterday, there hadn't been a reported one, but are we to assume that the virus is here? It's just not someone who has been tested and tested positive. What do you say yeah. to that? That's another uh, very good point is that because the testing that we've had has been very limited, mm -hmm. we cannot say with certainty that we don't have this virus in our community. And I think we would assume that we do just because of the way that it's acted elsewhere across the world. Right. And when you look at our map, it is slowly creeping in Minnesota. So that, that is absolutely right. We need to be treating this as if it's here. Um, but we deal with viruses every year. We deal with the influenza every year. So that shouldn't panic us, but it should just highlight the fact that these measures that we're taking now are extremely important for this virus because it is new and our immunity is not what it would normally be. Therefore, it has a higher risk of causing issues. But if we're, if we're wise and protect ourselves, this too will pass. I mean, that's the other message I'd like to get out there is that there is hope. This is not going to last forever. There will either be treatments that come up, there will be immunizations that are developed, um, and then just the cycle of these things, this will pass and we will get by it and obviously mm -hmm. be better for it. But yeah. it is a uh, challenge now. Yeah. And I know you said earlier, and I like to repeat that too, uh, for the vast majority of people who do get this, who are healthy, uh, they will maybe have just a, a tough little go like you would with a normal flu virus, wouldn't you? That's true, but I don't want people to take console in that and think, well, I don't need to worry about isolating because that is, that's a misnomer. Mm -hmm. And you do see the rec, you know, the, the numbers across the world saying that there are young people that get terribly sick with this as well. So if, you know, the one message I would say is um, that it can affect anybody. The numbers would show that the, the, the older, the more complicated health issues, you have a higher chance of having it be a more complicated illness. But anybody that gets this, other than the very, very young, it seems like kids, for some reason, which has been a huge blessing, kids do not seem to get terribly ill or die from this, which has been great. Thank God. But anybody else over 20, you know, even teens, mm -hmm. can get this, can get sick. Do not consider yourself immune to this. And your following these recommendations might prevent you and others that you love and care about from getting it. So, again, it's it's a simple message, but it bears repeating over and over again. And, Doctor, our time is almost up, but just real quickly, mental health is also big when it comes to something like this for, you know, parents dealing with kids and their questions. Um, does CRMC have those services available if people just need to talk to someone? And um, is that available? Absolutely. And our mental health team and our social service team are developing resources that will be out on our website and through social media to provide support to folks. And then also, uh, if referrals are needed, things like that, we're working with the other providers in the area just to provide a better network of that. So sure. they may be able to do that, uh, like I said, through virtual visits, uh, e-visits, phone calls, things like that. Awesome. And again, that website, kayunamed.org if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Thank you. And I think they're also on Facebook, too. You can just put uh, Facebook and then look up Crosby Cares. 
So yep. there's a presence there too. Dr. Westine, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, visit with us. We really appreciate it. Lots of great information. No, thank you for the invitation. Cuyahoga Region Medical Center really appreciates your support. And uh, we obviously are out there to care for patients in our community. Thank you and your entire team for what you're doing and being on the front lines. It is it is appreciated. God bless you all. Stay, you stay well. Stay well. Our guest today, Dr. Rob Westine. He is the Chief Medical Officer at the Cuyuna Regional Medical Center. I'm Ken Thomas, along with Tess Taylor. That is today's edition of Community Focus. Don't forget our Community Focus programs are available anytime on our website. Just go to 1067wjjy.com. That's brought to you by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. You can also listen to us through our free downloadable app, and that is courtesy of Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.